Chapter 5 of Mutual Aid, a Factor of Evolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Enko. Mutual Aid, a Factor of Evolution by Peter Kropotkin. Chapter 5 Mutual Aid in the Medieval City Sociability and need of mutual aid and support are such inherent parts of human nature that at no time of history can we discover men living in small isolated families fighting each other for the means of subsistence. On the contrary, modern research, as we saw it in the two preceding chapters, proves that since the very beginning of their prehistoric life men used to agglomerate into gens clans or tribes maintained by an idea of common descent and by worship of common ancestors for thousands and thousands of years this organization has kept men together even though there was no authority whatever to impose it it has deeply impressed all subsequent development of mankind and when the bonds of common descent had been loosened by migrations on a grand scale while the development of a separated family within the clan itself had destroyed the old unity of the clan a new form of union territorial in its principle the village community was called into existence by the social genius of men this institution again kept men together for a number of centuries permitting them to further develop their social institutions and to pass through some of the darkest periods of history without being dissolved into loose aggregations of families and individuals to make a further step in their evolution and to work out a number of secondary social institutions several of which have survived down to the present time we have now to follow the further development of the same ever-living tendency for mutual aid taking the village communities of the so-called barbarians at a time when they were making a new start of civilization after the fall of the roman empire we have to study the new aspects taken by the sociable wants of the masses in the middle ages and especially in the medieval guilds and the medieval city far from being the fighting animals they have often been compared to the barbarians of the first centuries of our era open bracket like so many mongolians africans arabs and so on who still continue in the same barbarian stage close bracket invariably preferred peace to war with the exception of a few tribes which had been driven during the great migrations into unproductive deserts or highlands and were thus compelled periodically to prey upon their better favored neighbors apart from these the great bulk of the teutons the saxons the celts the slavonians and so on very soon after they had settled in their newly conquered abodes reverted to the spade or to their herds the earliest barbarian codes already represent to us societies composed of peaceful agricultural communities not hordes of men at war with each other these barbarians covered the country with villages and farmhouses open footnote w arnold in his wanderungen und asiedelungen der deutschen stamp page 431 even maintains that one half of the now arable area in middle germany must have been reclaimed from the sixth to the ninth century needs open bracket geskichte des deutschten volkes leipzig 1883 volume first close bracket shares the same opinion close footnote they cleared the forest 
bridged the torrents and colonized the formerly quite uninhabited wilderness and they left the uncertain warlike pursuits to brotherhoods scholae or trusts of unruly men gathered round temporary chieftains who wandered about offering their adventurous spirit their arms and their knowledge of warfare for the protection of populations only too anxious to be left in peace the warrior bands came and went prosecuting their family thirds but the great mass continued to till the soil taking but little notice of their would-be rulers so long as they did not interfere with the independence of their village communities open footnote leo and botta histoire d'italie french edition eighteen forty four tome premier page thirty seven Close footnote. the new occupiers of europe evolved the systems of land tenure and soil culture which are still in force with hundreds of millions of men they work out their systems of compensation for wrongs instead of the old tribal blood revenge they learned the first rudiments of industry and while they fortified their villages with palisaded walls or erected towers and earthen forts whereto to repair in case of a new invasion they soon abandoned the task of defending these towers and forts to those who made of war a speciality the very peacefulness of the barbarians certainly not their supposed warlike instincts thus became the source of their subsequent subjection to the military chieftains it is evident that the very mode of life of the armed brotherhoods offered them more facilities for enrichment than the tillers of the soil could find in their agricultural communities even now we see that armed men occasionally come together to shoot down matabeles and to rob them of their droves of cattle though the matabeles only want peace and are ready to buy it at a high price the scholae of old certainly were not more scrupulous than the scholae of our own time droves of cattle iron open bracket which was extremely costly at that time open footnote the composition for the stealing of a simple knife was fifteen solidi and of the iron parts of a mill forty five solidi open bracket see on this subject lamprecht which chaff und der franken in romers historisch tastian but eighteen eighty three page fifty two close bracket according to the riparian law the sword the spear and the iron armor of a warrior attain the value of at least twenty-five cows or two years of a free man's labor a cuirass alone was valued in the salic law open bracket this michels quoted by michelet close bracket at as much as thirty-six bushels of wheat close footnote and slaves were appropriated in this way and although most acquisitions were wasted on the spot in those glorious feasts of which epic poetry has so much to say still some part of the rub riches was used for further enrichment there was plenty of wasteland and no lack of men ready to till it if only they could obtain the necessary cattle and implements whole villages ruined by murines pest fires or raids of new immigrants were often abandoned by their inhabitants who went anywhere in search of new abodes they still do so in russia in similar circumstances and if one of the herdmen of the armed brotherhoods offered the peasants some cattle for a fresh start some iron to make a plough if not the plough itself his protection from further raids and a number of years free from all obligations before they should begin to repay their contracted debt they settled upon the land and when after a hard fight with bad crops inundations and pestilences those pioneers began to repay their debts they fell into servile obligations towards the protector of the territory wealth undoubtedly did accumulate in this way and power always follows wealth Open footnote. the chief wealth of the chieftains for a long time was in their personal domains peopled partly with prisoner slaves but chiefly in the above way on the origin of property see in amasteanelix die ausbildung der grossen gunherr's chaften in deutschland in smollers forstungen bd first eighteen seventy eight f dance august der germanischen und romanischen volker berlin eighteen eighty one moreas dofer sagun guizot 
Essai sur l'histoire de France, Mainz Village Community, Bottas Histoire d'Italie, Sibom Vinogradov, J.R. Green, etc. Close footnote. And yet, the more we penetrate into the life of those times, the sixth and seventh centuries of our era, the more we see that another element, besides wealth and military force, was required to constitute the authority of a few. It was an element of law and tight, a desire of the masses to maintain peace and to establish what they considered to be justice, which gave to the chieftains of the scully, kings, dukes, knights, and the like the force they acquired two or three hundred years later. That same idea of justice, conceived as an adequate revenge for the wrong done, which had grown in the tribal stage, now passed as a red thread through the history of subsequent institutions. And much more even than military or economic causes, it became the basis upon which the authority of the kings and the feudal lords was founded. In fact, one of the chief preoccupations of the barbarian village community always was as it still is with our barbarian contemporaries to put a speedy end to the thoughts which arose from the then current conception of justice when a carrel took place the community at once interfered and after the folk had heard the case it settled the amount of composition open bracket were geld close bracket to be paid to the wrong person or to his family as well as the threat or fine for breach of peace which had to be paid to the community interior quarrels were easily appeased in this way but when feuds broke out between two different tribes or two confederations of tribes notwithstanding all measures taken to prevent them Open footnote. See Sir Henry Mains International Law, London, 1888. Close footnote. The difficulty was to find an arbiter or sentence finder whose decision should be accepted by both parties alike, both for his impartiality and for his knowledge of the oldest law. The difficulty was the greater as the customary laws of different tribes and confederations were at variance as to the compensation due in different cases. It therefore became habitual to take the sentence finder from among such families or such tribes as were reputed for keeping the law of all in its purity of being versed in the songs triads sagas etc by means of which law was perpetuated in memory and to retain law in this way became a sort of art a mystery carefully transmitted in certain families from generation to generation thus in iceland and in other scandinavian lands at every old thing or national folk mold a loathsome mock used to recite the whole law from memory for the enlightening of the assembly and in ireland there was as is known a special class of men reputed for the knowledge of the old traditions and therefore enjoying a great authority as judges Footnote. Ancient laws of Ireland introduction in Nice, Etude de droit international, tome 1, 1896, pages 86 sequence. Among the Osset, the orbiters from three oldest villages enjoy a special reputation. Open bracket, M. Kovalevsky's Modern Custom and All Law, Moscow, 1886, second, 217, Russian. Close bracket, close footnote. Again, when we are told by the Russian annals that some stems of northwest Russia, moved by the growing disorder which resulted from clans rising against clans, appealed to Norman Varingia to be their judges and commanders of the royal scully, and when we see the Nias or dukes elected for the next 200 years always from the same Norman family, we cannot but recognize that the Slavonians trusted to the Normans for a better knowledge of the law which would be equally recognized as good by different Slavonian kings. In this case, the possession of runes, for the transmission of all customs was a decided advantage in favor of the Normans. But in other cases, there are often indications that the eldest branch of a stem, the supposed mother branch, was appealed to to supply the judges, and its decisions were relied upon as just. Open footnote. It is permissible to think that this conception, open bracket, related to the conception of tanistry, close bracket, 
played an important part in the life of the period, but research has not yet been directed that way. Close footnote. While at a later epoch we see a distinct tendency towards taking the sentence finders from the Christian clergy, which at that time kept still to the fundamental, now forgotten principle of Christianity, that retaliation is no act of justice. At that time, the Christian clergy opened the churches as places of asylum for those who fled from blood revenge, and they willingly acted as arbiters in criminal cases, always opposing the old tribal principle of life for life and wound for wound. In short, the deeper we penetrate into the history of early institutions, the less we find grounds for the military theory of origin of authority. Even that power which later on became such a source of oppression seems, on the contrary, to have found its origin in the peaceful inclinations of the masses. In all these cases, the threat, which often amounted to half the compensation, went to the folk mode, and from times immemorial, it used to be applied to folks of common utility and defence. It has still the same destination, open bracket, the erection of towers, close bracket, among the Kabyles and certain Mongolian stems, and we have direct evidence that even several centuries later, the judicial finds in and several French and German cities continued to be used for the repair of the city walls. Open footnote. It was distinctly stated in the Charter of Saint Quentin of the year 1002 that the ransom for houses which had to be demolished for crimes went for the city walls. The same destination was given to the Ungel in German cities. At Skov, the cathedral was the bank for the fines, and from this fund money was taken for the wills. It was thus quite natural that the fines should be handed over to the sentence finder, who was bound in return both to maintain the scully of armed men to whom the defence of the territory was trusted, and to execute the sentences. This became a universal custom in the 8th and 9th centuries, even when the sentence finder was an elected bishop. The germ of a combination of what we should now call the judicial power and the executive thus made its appearance. But to these two functions, the attribution of the duke or king was strictly emitted. He was no ruler of the people, the supreme power still belonging to the folk mold, not even a commander of a popular militia. When the folk took to arms, it marched under a separate also elected commander who was not a subordinate but an equal to the king. Open footnote. Somme, Francis, Westchung, Jerick Bess, Safasson, page 23, also needs Gestech des Deutschen Volks. The king was a lord on his personal domain only. In fact, in Barbarian language, the word konung, koning, or sinning, synonymous with the Latin rex, had no other meaning than that of a temporary leader or chieftain of a band of men. The commander of a flotilla of boats, or even of a single pirate boat, was also a konung. Until the present day, the commander of fishing in Norway is named not kong, the king of the nets. Open footnote. See the excellent remarks on this subject in Augustine Thierry's L'Etuel Histoire de France, seventh letter. The Barbarian translations of parts of the Bible are extremely instructive on this point. Close footnote. The veneration attached later on to the personality of a king did not yet exist, and while treason to the king was punished by death, the slaying of a king could be recouped by the payment of compensation. A king simply was valued so much more than a free man. Open footnote. Thirty-six times more than a noble, according to the Anglo-Saxon law. In the Code of Rotary, the slaying of a king is, however, punished by death. But, open bracket, apart from Roman influence, close bracket, this new disposition was introduced, open bracket, in 646. Close bracket, in the Lombardian law, as remarked by Leo and Botta, to cover the king from blood revenge, the king being at that time the executioner of his own sentences, open bracket, as the tribe formerly was of its own sentences, Close bracket, he had to be protected by a special disposition, the more so as several Lombardian kings before Rotary had been slain in succession. Open bracket, Leo and Botta, first chapter, first, 69 to 90, close bracket, close footnote, and when king knew, 
open bracket or canute close bracket had killed one man of his own scholar the saga represents him convoking his comrades to a thing where he stood on his knees imploring pardon he was pardoned but not till he had agreed to pay nine times the regular composition of which one third went to himself for the loss of one of his men one third to the relatives of the slain men and one third open bracket the thread close bracket to the scholar open footnote kaufmann dutch gekich bd first die germanen de Uzet page 133 close footnote in reality a complete shade had to be accomplished in the current conceptions under the double influence of the church and the students of roman law before an idea of sanctity began to be attached to the personality of the king however it lies beyond the scope of these essays to follow the gradual development of authority out of the elements just indicated historians such as mr and mrs green for this country augusta thierry michelet and lucier for france Kaufmann, Janssen, W. Arnold, and even Nitz for Germany, Leo and Botha for Italy, Bielaev, Kostomarov, and their followers for Russia, and many others have fully told that tale. They have shown how populations, once free and simply agreeing to feed a certain portion of their military defenders, gradually became the serfs of these protectors, how commendation to the church or to a lord became a hard necessity for the freemen, how each lord's and bishop's castle became a robber's nest, how feudalism was imposed in a word, and how the crusades by freeing the serf who wore the cross gave the first impulse to popular emancipation all this need not be retold in this place our chief aim being to follow the constructive genius of the masses in their mutual aid institutions at a time when the last vestiges of barbarian freedom seemed to disappear and europe fallen under the dominion of thousands of petty rulers was marching towards the constitution of such theocracies and despotic states as had followed the barbarian stage during the previous start of civilization or of barbarian monarchies such as we see now in africa life in europe took another direction it went on online similar to those it had once taken in the cities of antique greece with a unanimity which seems almost incomprehensible and for a long time was not understood by historians the urban agglomerations down to the smallest bugs began to shake off the yoke of their worldly and clerical lords the fortified village rose against the lord's castle defined it first attacked it next and finally destroyed it the movement spread from spot to spot involving every town on the surface of europe and in less than a hundred years three cities had been called into existence on the coast of the mediterranean the north sea the baltic the atlantic ocean down to the fjords of scandinavia at the feet of the Apennines, the Alps, the Black Forest, the Grampians, and the Carpathians, in the plains of Russia, Hungary, France, and Spain. Everywhere the same revolt took place, with the same features passing through the same phases leading to the same results. Wherever men had found or expected to find some protection behind their town walls, they instituted their codurations, their fraternities, their friendships, united in one common idea, and boldly marching towards a new life of mutual support and liberty. And they succeeded so well that in three or four hundred years they had changed the very face of europe they had covered the country with beautiful sumptuous buildings expressing the genius of free unions of free men unrivaled since for their beauty and expressiveness and the bequeathed to the following generations all the arts all the industries of which our present civilization with all its achievements and promises for the future is only a further development and when we now look to the forces which have produced these grand results we find them not in the genius of individual heroes not in the mighty organization of huge 
states or the political capacities of their rulers but in the very same current of mutual aid and support which we saw at work in the village community and which was vivified and reinforced in the middle ages by a new form of unions inspired by the very same spirit but shaped on a new model the guilds it is well known by this time that feudalism did not imply a dissolution of the village community although the lord had succeeded in imposing servile labour upon the peasants and had appropriated for himself such rights as were formerly vested in the village community alone open bracket taxes mortmain duties and inheritances and mortgages close bracket the peasants had nevertheless maintained the two fundamental rights of their communities the common possession of the land and self jurisdiction in olden times when a king sent his vogue to a village the peasants received him with flowers in one hand and arms in the other and asked him which law he intended to apply the one he found in the village or the one he brought with him and in the first case they handed him the flowers and accepted him while in the second case they fought him open footnote dr f down ugestich der germanischen und romanischen Volker, berlin eighteen eighty one bd first ninety six close footnote now they accepted the kings or the laws official whom they could not refuse but they maintained the folkmost jurisdiction and themselves nominated six seven or twelve judges who acted with the laws judge in the presence of the folkmost as arbiters and sentence finders in most cases the official had nothing left to him but to confirm the sentence and to levy the customary thread this precious right of self-jurisdiction which at that time means self-administration and self-legislation had been maintained through all the struggles and even the lawyers by whom called the great were surrounded could not abolish it they were bound to confirm it at the same time in all matters concerning the community's domain the folkmot retained its supremacy and open bracket as shown by Moria, close bracket often claimed submission from the lord himself in land tenure matters no growth of feudalism could break this resistance the village community kept its ground and when in the ninth and tenth centuries the invasions of the normans the arabs and the ugrians had demonstrated that military scholars were of little value for protecting the land a general movement began all over europe for fortifying the villages with stone walls and citadels thousands of fortified centers were then built by the energies of the village communities and once they had built their walls once a common interest had been created in this new sanctuary the town walls they soon understood that they could henceforward resist the encroachments of their inner enemies the lords as well as the invasions of foreigners a new life of freedom began to develop within the fortified enclosures the medieval city was born open footnote if i thus follow the views long since advocated by moria open bracket guest kitsch der stadversfassung in deutschland erlangen 1869 close bracket it is because he has fully proved the uninterrupted evolution from the village community to the medieval city and that his views alone can explain the universality of the communal movement Savigny and H. Horn and their followers have certainly proved that the traditions of the Roman municipia had never totally disappeared, but they took no account of the village community period which the barbarians lived through before they had any cities. The fact is that whenever mankind made a new start in civilization in greece rome or middle europe it passed through the same stages the tribe the village community the free city the state each one naturally evolving out of the preceding stage of course the experience of each preceding civilization was nevertheless greece open bracket itself influenced by eastern civilizations close bracket influenced rome and rome influenced our civilization but each of them begin from the same beginning the tribe and just as we cannot say that our states are continuations of the roman state so also can we not say that the medieval cities of europe open bracket including Scandinavia and russia close bracket were a continuation of the roman cities they were a continuation of the barbarian village community influenced to a certain extent by the traditions of the roman towns 
no period of history could better illustrate the constructive powers of the popular masses than the tenth and eleventh centuries when the fortified villages and market places representing so many others amidst the feudal forests began to free themselves from their lord's yoke and slowly elaborated the future city organization but unhappily this is a period about which historical information is especially scarce we know their results but little has reached us about the means by which they were achieved under the protection of their walls the cities folkmotes either quite independent or led by the chief noble or merchant families conquered and maintained the right of electing the military defencer and supreme judge of the town or at least of choosing between those who pretended to occupy this position in italy the young communes were continually sending away their defencers or domini fighting those who refused to go the same went on in the east in bohemia rich and poor alike open bracket bohemica gentis magni e porvi nobase ignobile close bracket took part in the election open footnote m kovalevsky modern customs and ancient laws of russia open bracket ilchester lectures london 1891 lecture 4 close bracket close footnote while the viek open bracket folk mocks close bracket of the russian cities regularly elected their dukes always from the same rurik family covenanted with them and sent the knias away if he had provoked discontent Open footnote. A considerable amount of research had to be done before this character of the so-called Udielny period was properly established by the works of Bielef, open bracket, Tales from Russian History, close bracket, Kostomarov, open bracket, The Beginnings of Autocracy in Russia, close bracket, and especially Professor Sergeyevich, open bracket, The Vieck and the Prince, close bracket. The English reader may find some information about this period in the just-named work of M. Kovalevsky in Rambo's History of Russia and in short summary in the article Russia of the last edition of Chambers' Encyclopedia. Footnote. At the same time, in most cities of Western and Southern Europe, the tendency was to take for defencer a bishop whom the city had elected itself, and so many bishops took the lead in protecting the immunities of the towns and in defending their liberties that numbers of them were considered after their death as saints and special patrons of different cities. St. Ulterred of Winchester, St. Ulrich of Oxford, St. Wolfgang of Ratisbonne, St. Heribert of Cologne, St. Adalbert of Prague, and so on, as well as many abbots and monks, became so many city saints for having acted in defense of popular rights. Open footnote. Ferrari, Histoire des Révolutions d'Italie, 1st, 257, Calzen, Die Stadt im Mittelalter, BD, 1st, open bracket, Hall, 1891. Close bracket, close footnote. And under the new defences, whether lake or clerical, the citizens conquered full self-jurisdiction and self-administration for their folk modes. Open footnote. See the excellent remarks of Mr. G. L. Gum as regards the folk mock of London. Open bracket. The literature of local institutions. London, 1886, page 76. Close bracket. It must, however, be remarked that in royal cities, the folk mock never attained the independence which it assumed elsewhere. It is even certain that moscow and paris were chosen by the kings and the church as the cradles of the future royal authority in the state because they did not possess the tradition of folk most accustomed to act as sovereign in all matters Close footnote. the whole progress of liberation progressed by a series of imperceptible acts of devotion to the common cause accomplished by men who came out of the masses by unknown heroes whose very name have not been preserved by history the wonderful movement of the god's peace open bracket by which the popular masters endeavoured to put a limit to the endless family feuds of the nobles' families was born in the young towns, the bishops and the citizens trying to extend to the nobles the peace they had established within their town walls. Open footnote. A. Lucier, Les Communes Françaises, Osso Cloucon, Gesquit, 
des Gottes Frieden, 1857, L. Semichon, La Paix et la Trêve de Dieu, two volumes, Paris, 1869, has tried to represent the communal movement as issued from that institution. In reality, the true Gade, like the League started under Louis Le Gros for the defense against both the robberies of the nobles and the Norman invasions, was a thoroughly popular movement. The only historian who mentions this last league, that is Vitalis, describes it as a popular community. Considération sur l'histoire de France, in volume 4 of August Thierry's oeuvre, Paris, 1868, page 191, and note. Already at that period, the commercial cities of Italy, and especially Amalfi, open bracket, which had its elected consuls since 844 and frequently changed its duchess in the 10th century, close bracket, open footnote, Ferrari 1st, 152, 263, etc., close footnote, worked out the customary maritime and commercial law, which later on became a model for all Europe. Ravenna elaborated its craft organization, and Milan, which had made its first revolution in 980, became a great center of commerce is trade enjoying a full independence since the 11th century open footnote parents histoire de florence first 188 ferrari lc first 283 close footnote so also bruges and ghent so also several cities of france in which the mal or forum had become a quite independent institution open footnote hog thierry essay sur l'histoire du tiers état Paris, 1875, page 414, note, close footnote. And already during that period began the work of artistic decoration of the town by works of architecture, which we still admire and which loudly testify of the intellectual movement of the times. The Basilique were then renewed in almost all the universe, Raoul Gleber wrote in his chronicle, and some of the finest monuments of medieval architecture date from that period. The wonderful old church of Bremen was built in the 9th century. Saint Mark of Venice was finished in 1071 and the beautiful dome of pisa in 1063 in fact the intellectual movement which has been described as the 12th century renaissance open footnote f roquin la renaissance au deuxième siècle in études sur l'histoire de france paris 1875 pages 55 to 117 close footnote and the 12th century rationalism the precursor of the reform open footnote and kostomarov the rationalist of the 12th century in his monographies and researches open bracket russian close bracket close footnote date from that period when most cities were still simple agglomerations of small village communities enclosed by walls however another element besides the village community principle was required to give to these growing centers of liberty and enlightenment the unity of thought and action and the powers of initiative which made their force in the 12th and 13th centuries with the growing diversity of occupation craft and arts and with the growing in distant land some new form of union was required and this necessary new element was supplied by the guilds volumes and volumes have been written about these unions which under the name of guilds brotherhoods friendships and truths they start mean hotels in russia estimes in servia and turkey amkari in georgia and so on took such a formidable development in medieval times and played such an important part in the emancipation of the cities but it took historians more than sixty years before the universality of this institution and its true characters were understood only now when hundreds of guild statutes have been published and studied and their relationship to the roman collegia and the earlier unions in greece and in india open footnote very interesting facts related to the universality of guilds will be found in two thousand years of guild life by reverend g m lambert hull eighteen ninety one on the georgian amkari c s egiazarov gorodskiye zegi open bracket organization of transcaucasian amkari bracket in memoirs of the caucasian geographical society fourteenth to 
1891. It is known, can we maintain with full confidence, that these brotherhoods were but a further development of the same principles which we saw at work in the gents and the village community. Nothing illustrates better these medieval brotherhoods than those temporary guilds which were formed on board ships. When a ship of the Hansa had accomplished her first half the passage after having left the port, the captain open bracket, chiffre, close bracket, gathered all crew and passengers on the deck and held the following language as reported by a contemporary. As we are now at the mercy of God and the waves, he said, each one must be equal to each other, and as we are surrounded by storms, high waves, pirates, and other dangers, we must keep a strict order that we may bring our voyage to a good end. That is why we shall pronounce the prayer for a good wind and good success, and according to marine law, we shall name the occupiers of the judges' seats. Open bracket, Schuffenstellen, close bracket, whereupon the crew elected a vogt and forced Scambini to act as their judges. At the end of the voyage, the vogt and the Scambini abdicated their functions and addressed the what has happened on board ship with crew as follows, must pardon to each other and consider as dead, open bracket, turned un absent lassen, close bracket, what we have judged right was for the sake of justice. This is why we beg you all, in the name of honest justice, to forget all the animosity one may nourish against another, and to swear on bread and salt that he will not think of it in a bad spirit. If anyone, however, considers himself wrong, he must appeal to the languaged and ask justice from him before sunset. On landing, the stock with the freight fines was handed over to the vogt of the seaport for distribution among the poor. Open footnote G. D. Wunderet, Rezeberit in Fischard, Frankfurter Archive, second 245, quoted by Jensen, Geskitsch, des Deutschen Volks, first 335. This simple narrative, perhaps better than anything else, depicts the spirit of the medieval guilds. Like organizations came into existence wherever a group of men, fishermen, hunters, traveling merchants, builders, or settled craftsmen came together for a common pursuit. Thus there was on board ship the naval authority of the captain, but for the very success of the common enterprise, all men on board, rich and poor, masters and crew, captain and sailors, agreed to be equals in their mutual relations, to be simply men bound to aid each other and to settle their possible disputes before judges elected by all of them. So also when a number of craftsmen, masons, carpenters, stonecutters, etc., came together for building, say, a cathedral, they all belonged to a city which had its political organization, and each of them belonged moreover to his own craft, but they were united besides by their common enterprise, which they knew better than anyone else and they joined into a body united by closer although temporary bounds they founded the guild for the building of the cathedral open footnote dr leonard enen der dom zu kolm historisch etlingut kolm 1871 pages 46 50 close footnote we may see the same till now in the kabylian cough open footnote see previous chapter Close footnote. The Kabas have their village community, but this union is not sufficient for all political, commercial, and personal needs of union, and the closer brotherhood of the Kof is constituted. As to the social characters of the medieval guild, any guild statute may illustrate them. Taking, for instance, the scra of some early Danish guild, we read in it first a statement of the general brotherly feelings which must reign in the guild. Next come the regulations relative to self-jurisdiction in cases of quarrels arising between two brothers or a brother and a stranger and then the social duties of the brethren are enumerated if a brother's house is burned or he has lost his ship 
or has suffered on a pilgrim's voyage, all the brethren must come to his aid. If a brother falls dangerously ill, two brethren must keep watch by his bed till he is out of danger, and if he dies, the brethren must bury him, a great affair in those times of pestilences, and follow him to the church and the grave. After his death, they must provide for his children. If necessary, very often the widow becomes a sister to the guild. Open footnote. Copenhagen, 1785, Statutes of a New Guild. These two leading features appeared in every brotherhood formed for any possible purpose. In each case, the members treated each other as and named each other brother and sister. Open footnote. Upon the position of women in guilds, see Miss Tulman, Smith Introductory Remarks to the English Guilds of Her Father, one of the Cambridge Statutes, open bracket, page 281, close bracket, of the year 1503, is quite positive in the following sentence this statute is made by the combined assent of all the brethren and sisters of al Halloway guild close footnote all were equals before the guild they owned some chattel open bracket cattle land buildings places of worship or stock close bracket in common all brothers took the oath of abandoning all thirds of old and without imposing upon each other the obligation of never quarrelling again they agreed that no quarrel should degenerate into a third or into a lawsuit before another court than the tribunal of the brothers themselves and if a brother was involved in a quarrel with a stranger to the guild they agreed to support him for bad and for good that is whether he was unjustly accused of aggression or really was the aggressor they had to support him and to bring things to a peaceful end so long as his was not a secret aggression in which case he would have been treated as an outlaw the brotherhood stood by him open footnote in medieval times only secret aggression was treated as a murder blood revenge in broad daylight was justice and slaying in a quarrel was not murder once the aggressor showed his willingness to repent and to repair the wrong he had done deep traces of this distinction still exist in modern criminal law especially in russia if the relatives of the wrong man wanted to revenge the offence at once by a new aggression the brotherhood supplied him with a horse to run away or with a boat a pair of oars a knife and a steel for striking light if he remained in town twelve brothers accompanied him to protect him and in the meantime they arranged the composition they went to court to support by oath the truthfulness of his statements and if he was found guilty they did not let him go to full ruin and become a slave through not paying the due compensation they all pay it just as the gents did in olden times only when a brother had broken the faith towards his guilt brethren or other people he was excluded from the brotherhood with a nothing's name when bracket vascal handmales half brood cap met needing snuff close bracket point footnote coffered anchor this old booklet contains much that has been lost off by later explorers close footnote such were the leading ideas of those brotherhoods which gradually covered the whole of medieval life in fact we know of guilds among all possible professions guilds of serfs open footnote they played an important part in the revolts of the serf and were therefore prohibited several times in succession in the second half of the ninth century of course the king's prohibitions remained a dead letter close footnote guilds of freemen and guilds of both serfs and freemen guilds called into life for the special purpose of hunting fishing or a trading expedition and dissolved when the special purpose had been achieved and guilds lasting for centuries in a given craft or trade and in proportion as life took an always greater variety of pursuits the variety in the guilds grew in proportion so we see not only merchants craftsmen hunters and peasants united in guilds we also see guilds of priors painters teachers of primary schools and universities guilds for performing the passion play for building a church for 
developing the mystery of a given school of art or craft, or for a special recreation, even guilds among beggars, executioners, and lost women, all organized on the same double principle of self-jurisdiction and mutual support. Open footnote. The medieval Italian painters were also organized in guilds, which became at a later epoch academies of art. If the Italian art of those times is impressed with so much individuality that we distinguish even now between the different schools of Padua, Bassano, Treviso, Verona, and so on, although all these cities were under the sway of Venice, this was due, G. Paul Richter remarks, to the fact that the painters of each city belonged to a separate guild, friendly with the guilds of other towns, but leading a separate existence. The oldest guild statute known is that of Verona, dating from 1303, but evidently copied from some much older statute. Fraternal assistance in necessity of whatever kind, hospitality towards strangers when passing through the town, as thus information may be obtained about matters which one may like to learn, and obligation of offering comfort in case of debility, or among the obligations of the members, open bracket, 19th century, November 1890 and August 1892. Close bracket, close footnote. For Russia, we have positive evidence showing that the very making of Russia was as much the work of its hunters, fishermen, and traders' hotels as of the budding village communities, and up to the present day, the country is covered with hotels. Open footnote. The chief works on the hotels are named in the article Russia of the Encyclopedia Britannica, 9th edition, page 84. These few remarks show how incorrect was the view taken by some early explorers of the guilds when they wanted to see the essence of the institution in its yearly festival. In reality, the day of the common meal was always the day or the morrow of the day of election of aldermen, of discussion of alterations in the statutes, and very often the day of judgment of quarrels that had risen among the brethren. Footnote. See for instance the text of the Cambridge Guilds given by Tulmin Smith Penbracket, English Guilds, London 1870, pages 274 to 276, from which it appears that the general and principal day was the election day or CHM Clothes, the early history of the Guild of the Merchant Tailors, London 1888. First, 45, and so on. The renewal of allegiance, see the Jumps Viking saga mentioned in Pappenheim's Old Danish Schutzgilden, Breslau, 1885, page 67. It appears very probable that when the guilds began to be prosecuted, many of them inscribed in their statutes the milde only or the pious duties and only alluded to the judicial function of the guild in vague words. But this function did not disappear till a very much later time. The question, who will be my judge, has no meaning now, since the state has appropriated for its bureaucracy the organization of justice, but it was of primordial importance in medieval times, the more so as self-jurisdiction meant self-administration. It must also be remarked that the translation of the Saxon and Danish guild brethren or brother by the Latin convivi must also have contributed to the above confusion. Close footnote. Or of renewed allegiance to the guild. The common meal, like the festival at the old tribal folk mote, the mal or malum, or the buriat abba, or the parish feast and the harvest supper, was simply an affirmation of brotherhood. It symbolized the times when everything was kept in common by the clan. This day, at least, all belonged to all. All sat at the same table and partook of the same meal. Even at a much later time, the inmate of the arms horse of a London guild sat this day by the side of a rich alderman. As to the distinction which several explorers have tried to establish between the old Saxon thrift guild and the so-called social or religious guilds, all were thrift guilds in the sense 
sense above mentioned. Open footnote. See the excellent remarks upon the Fifth Guild by G. R. Green and Mrs. Green in the Conquest of England, London, 1883, pages 229 to 230. Close footnote. And all were religious in the sense in which a village community or a city placed under the protection of a special saint is social and religious. If the institution of the Guild has taken such an immense extension in Asia, Africa, and Europe, if it has lived thousands of years, reappearing again and again when similar conditions called it into existence, it is because it was much more than an eating association or an association for going to church on a certain day or a burial club. It answered to a deeply inrooted want of human nature and it embodied all the attributes which the state appropriated later on for its bureaucracy and police and much more than that. It was an association for mutual support in all circumstances and in all accidents of life by deed and advice and it was an organization for maintaining justice with this difference from the state that on all these occasions a human a brotherly element was introduced instead of the formal element which is the essential characteristic of state interference even when appearing before the guild tribunal the guild brother answered before men who knew him well and had stood by him before in their daily work at the common mill in the performance of their brotherly duties men who were his equals and brethren indeed no theorists of law no defenders of someone else's interest it is evident that an institution so well suited to serve the need of union without depriving the individual of his initiative could but spread grow and fortify the difficulty was only to find such form as would permit to federate the unions of the guilds without interfering with the unions of the village communities and to federate all these into one harmonious whole and when this form of combination had been found and a series of favourable circumstances permitted the cities to affirm their independence they did so with a unity of thought which can but excite our admiration even in our century of railways telegraphs and printing hundreds of charters in which the cities inscribe their liberation have reached us and through all of them notwithstanding the infinite variety of details which depended upon the more or less greater fullness of emancipation the same leading ideas run the city organized itself as a federation of both small village communities and guilds all those who belong to the friendship of a town so runs a charter given in eleven eighty eight to the burgesses of air by philip count of flanders are promised and confirmed by faith and oath that they will aid each other as braven in whatever is useful and honest that if one commits against another an offence in words or in deeds the one who has suffered there from will not take revenge either himself or his people he will lodge a complaint and the offender will make good for his offence according to what will be pronounced by twelve elected judges acting as arbiters and if the offender or the offended after having been warned thrice does not submit to the decision of the arbiters he will be excluded from the friendship as a weak man and a perjurer open footnote recueil des ordonnances des rois de france tome deuxième five hundred and sixty two quoted by Hogg theory in consideration sur l'histoire de france page one hundred and ninety six edition twelve m o close footnote each one of the men of the commune will be faithful to his conjurer and will give him aid and advice according to what justice will dictate him the amiens and abbeville charters say all will aid each other according to their powers within the boundaries of the commune and will not suffer that anyone takes anything from any one of them or makes one pay contributions do we read in the charters of Soissons, compiègne saint lys and many others of the same type Point footnote à Lucia, les communes françaises pages forty five to forty six 
and so on with countless variations on the same theme. The Commune, Gilbert de Nugget wrote, is an oath of mutual aid, open bracket, mutual adjutory conjuration, close bracket, a new and detestable word, through it the serfs, open bracket, capitacency, close bracket, are freed from all serfdom, through it they can only be condemned to a legally determined fine for breaches of the law, through it they cease to be liable to payments which the serfs always used to pay, open footnote, Gilbert de Nugget, de Vitasua, quoted by Lucaire, L.C., page 14, close footnote. The same wave of emancipation rent in the 12th century through all parts of the continent involving both rich cities and the poorest towns. And if we may say that as a rule the Italian cities were the first to free themselves, we can assign no center from which the movement would have spread. Very often a small bug in central Europe took the lead for its region, and big agglomerations accepted the little town's charter as a model for their own. Thus the charter of a small town, Loris, was adopted by 83 towns in southwest France, and that of Beaumont became the model for over 500 towns and cities in Belgium and France. Special deputies were dispatched by the cities to their neighbors to obtain a copy from the charter, and the constitution was framed upon that model. However, they did not simply copy each other. They framed their own charters in accordance with the concessions they had obtained from their lords, and the result was that, as remarked by an historian, the charters of the medieval communes offer the same variety as the Gothic architecture of their churches and cathedrals, the same leading ideas in all of them, the cathedral symbolizing the union of parish and guild in the city, and the same infinitely rich variety of detail. self jurisdiction was the essential point and self-jurisdiction means self-administration but the commune was not simply an autonomous part of the state such ambiguous words had not yet been invented by that time it was a state in itself it had the right of war and peace of federation and alliance with its neighbors it was sovereign in its own affairs and mixed with no others the supreme political power could be vested entirely in a democratic form, as was the case in Pskov, whose Vyek sent and received ambassadors, concluded treaties, accepted and sent away princes, or went on without them for dozens of years, or it was vested in or usurped by an aristocracy of merchants, or even nobles, as was the case in hundreds of Italian and Middle European cities. The principle nevertheless remained the same. The city was a state, and what was perhaps still more remarkable, when the power in the city was usurped by an aristocracy, of merchants or even nobles the inner life of the city and the democratism of its daily life did not disappear they depended but little upon what may be called the political form of a state the secret of this seeming anomaly lies in the fact that a medieval city was not a centralized state during the first centuries of its existence the city hardly could be named a state as regards its interior organization because the middle ages knew no more of the present centralization of functions than of the present territorial centralization each group had its share of sovereignty the city was usually divided into four quarters or into five to seven sections radiating from the center each quarter or section roughly corresponding to a certain trade or profession which prevailed in it but nevertheless containing inhabitants of different social positions and occupations nobles merchants artisans or even half serfs and each section or quarter constituted a quite independent agglomeration in venice each island was an independent political community it had its own organized trades its own commerce in salt its own jurisdiction and administration its own forum and the nomination of a dodge by the city changed nothing in the inner independence of the units open footnote. le bret 
Histoire de Venice, first, 393, also Marin quoted by Leo and Buta in Histoire de l'Italie, French edition, 1844, tome 1er, 500. In Cologne, we see the inhabitants divided into Gebuschaften and Heimschaften, open bracket, Vicinia, close bracket, that is, neighbor guilds which dated from the Franconian period. Each of them had its judge, open bracket, Buritea, close bracket, and the usual twelve elected centers finders, open bracket, Chofen, close bracket, and its grave or commander of the local militia. Open footnote. Dr. W. Arnold, their fasung guest chich, their Dutchian of Red Stats, 1854, BD, second, 227, sequence, Inen, Gekish, their Starkwell, BD, first, 228-229, also the documents published by Inen and Ekiat. Close footnote. The story of early London before the conquest, Mr. Green says, is that of a number of little groups scattered here and there over the area within the walls, each growing up with its own life and institutions, guilds, soaks, religious houses, and the like, and only slowly drawing together into a municipal union. Open footnote. Conquest of England, 1883, page 453. Close footnote. And if we refer to the annals of the Russian cities, Novgorod and Pskov, both of which are relatively rich in local details, we find the section, open bracket, Connets, close bracket, consisting of independent streets, open bracket, Ulitsa, close bracket, each of which though chiefly people with artisans of a certain craft had also merchants and landowners among its inhabitants and was a separate community it had the communal responsibility of all members in case of crime its own jurisdiction and administration by street aldermen open bracket tarosti close bracket its own seal and in case of need its own forum its own militia as also its self-elected priors and its own collective life and collective enterprise but footnote belief russian history volumes second and third Close footnote. The medieval city thus appears as a double federation of all householders united into small territorial unions, the street, the parish, the section, and of individuals united by oath into guilds according to their professions, the former being a produce of the village community origin of the city, while the second is a subsequent growth called to life by new conditions. To guarantee liberty, self-administration, and peace was the chief aim of the medieval city, and labor, as we shall presently see when speaking of the craft guilds, was its chief foundation but production did not absorb the whole attention of the medieval economist with his practical mind he understood that consumption must be guaranteed in order to obtain production and therefore to provide for the common first food and lodging of poor and rich alike open bracket gemein not do von gemach armer und richer open footnote w gramich verfassungen verwaltungsgesch der stadt Wolfsburg im 13 bis zum 15 jahrhundert Wolfsburg 1882 page 34 Close footnote, close bracket, was a fundamental principle in each city. The purchase of food supplies and other first necessaries, open bracket, coal, wood, etc., close bracket, before they had reached the market or altogether in especially favorable conditions from which others would be excluded, the preemption in a word was entirely prohibited. Everything had to go to the market and be offered there for everyone's purchase, till the ringing of the bell had closed the market. Then only could the retailer buy the remainder, and even then his profit should be an honest profit only. Open footnote. When a boat brought a cargo of coal to Wolfsburg, coal could only be sold in retail during the first eight days, each family being entitled to no more than 50 basketfuls the remaining cargo could be sold wholesale but the retailer was allowed to raise a zitlicher profit only the unzitlicher or dishonest profit being strictly forbidden open bracket gramich lc close bracket same in london open bracket liber albus quoted by ostchenkovsky 
page 161 close bracket and in fact everywhere close footnote moreover when corn was bought by a baker wholesale after the close of the market every citizen had the right to claim part of the corn open bracket about half a quarter close bracket for his own use at wholesale price if he did so before the final conclusion of the bargain and reciprocally every baker could claim the same if a citizen purchased corn for reselling it in the first case the corn had only to be brought to the town mill to be ground in its proper turn for its settled price and the bread could be baked in the four bannel or communal oven oven footnote see fagnier's études sur l'industrie et la classe industrielle à paris au treizième et Cartesian siècle, Paris 1877, pages 155 sequence. It hardly need be added that the tax on bread and on beer as well was settled after careful experiments as to the quantity of bread and beer which could be obtained from a given amount of corn. The Amiens archives contain the minutes of such experiences. Open bracket, et de Calonne, L.C., pages 77-93, close bracket, also those of London, open bracket, Ochenkovsky, England's Wichafleitch, and Wilkelung, etc., Jena, 1879, page 165, close footnote. In short, if a scarcity visited the city, all had to suffer from it, more or less, but apart from the calamities, so long as the free cities existed, no one could die in their midst from starvation, as is, unhappily, too often the case in our own times. However, all such regulations belong to later periods of the city's life, while at an earlier period it was the city itself which used to buy all food supplies for the use of the citizens the documents recently published by mr gross are quite positive on this point and fully support his conclusion to the effect that the cargoes of subsistences were purchased by certain civic officials in the name of the town and then distributed in shares among the merchant burgesses no one being allowed to buy wares landed in the port unless the municipal authorities refused to purchase them this seems, she adds, to have been quite a common practice in England, Ireland, Wales, and Scotland. Open footnote, C. H. Gross, The Guild Mansion, Oxford, 1890, first, 135. His documents prove that this practice existed in Liverpool. Open bracket, second, 148-150, close bracket, Waterford in Ireland, Neath in Wales, and Linley Kilgo and also in scotland mr gross texts also show that the purchases were made for distribution not only among the merchant burgesses but upon all citizens and communards open bracket page 156 note close bracket or as the Tussle ordinance of the 17th century runs to make offer to the merchants craftsmen and inhabitants of the said burg that they may have their proportion of the same according to their necessities and ability close footnote even in the 16th century we find that common purchases of corn were made for the commodity and profit in all things of this city and chamber of london and of all the citizens and inhabitants of the same as much as in us yet as the mayor wrote in 1565 open footnote the early history of the guilt of merchant tailors by charles m claude london 1888 first 361 appendix 10 also the following appendix which shows that the same purchases were made in 1546 close footnote in venice the whole of the trading corn is well known to have been in the hands of the city the quarters on receiving the cereals from the board which administrated the imports being bound to send to every citizen's house the quantity allotted to him open footnote Cibarario, les conditions économiques de l'italie au temps de dante paris 1865 page 44 close footnote in france the city of amiens used to purchase salt and to distribute it to all citizens at cost price open footnote à de calonne la vie municipale au 15e siècle dans le nord de la france paris 1880 pages 12 to 16 in 1485 the city permitted the export to antwerp of a certain quantity of corn the inhabitants of antwerp being always ready to be agreeable to the merchants and burgesses of amiens open bracket 
Ibid, pages 75 to 77, and text, close bracket, close footnote. And even now one sees in many French towns the halls which formerly were municipal depots for corn and salt. Open footnote. Ababo, la ville sous l'ancien régime, Paris, 1880, close footnote. In Russia, it was a regular custom in Novgorod and Pskov. The whole matter relative to the communal purchases for the use of the citizens and the manner in which they used to be made seems not to have yet received proper attention from the historians of the period. But there are here and there some very interesting facts which throw a new light upon it. Thus there is, among Mr. Gross' documents, a Kilkenny ordinance of the year, 1367, from which we learn how the prices of the goods were established. The merchants and the sailors, Mr. Gross writes, were to state on oath the first cost of the goods and the expenses of transportation. Then the mayor of the town and two discreet men were to name the price at which the wares were to be sold. The same rule held good in Tursu for merchandise coming by sea or land. This way of naming the price so well answers to the very conceptions of trade which were current in medieval times, that it must have been all but universal. To have the price established established by a third person was a very old custom and for all interchange within the city it certainly was a widely spread habit to leave the establishment of prices to discreet men to a third party and not to the vendor or the buyer but this order of things takes us still further back in the history of trade namely to a time when trade in staple produce was carried on by the whole city and the merchants were only the commissioners the trustees of the city for selling the goods which it exported a waterford ordinance published also by mr gross says that all manner of merchandise whatsoever kin they be of shall be bought by the mayor and palace which ben common buyers for the town close bracket for the time being and to distribute the same on freemen of the city bracket the prop goods of free citizens and inhabitants only excepted close bracket this ordinance can hardly be explained otherwise than by admitting that all the exterior trade of the town was carried on by its agents moreover we have direct evidence of such having been the case for novgorod and Pskov. it was the sovereign novgorod and the sovereign Pskov who sent the caravans of merchants to distant lands we know also that in nearly all medieval cities of middle and western europe the craft guilds used to buy as a body all necessary raw produce and to sell the produce of their work through their officials and it is hardly possible that the same should not have been done for exterior trade the more so as it is well known that up to the thirteenth century not only all merchants of a given city were considered abroad as responsible in a body for debts contracted by any one of them but the whole city as well was responsible for the debts of each one of its merchants only in the twelfth and thirteenth century the towns on the rhine entered into special treaties abolishing this responsibility first 491-492 also text close footnote and finally we have a remarkable ipswich document published by mr gross from which document we learn that the merchant guild of this town was constituted by all who had the freedom of the city and who wished to pay their contribution when bracket their hands close bracket to the guild the whole community discussing all together how better to maintain the merchant guild and giving it certain privileges the merchant guild of ipswich thus appears rather as a body of trustees of the town than as a common private guild in short the more we begin to know the medieval city the more we see that it was not simply a political organization for the protection of certain political liberties it was an attempt at organizing on a much grander scale than in a village community a close union for mutual aid and support for consumption and production and for social life altogether without imposing upon men the fetters of the state but giving full liberty of expression to the creative genius of each separate group of individuals in art, craft, science 
commerce and political organization how far this attempt has been successful will be best seen when we have analyzed in the next chapter the organization of labor in the medieval city and the relations of the cities with the surrounding peasant population end of chapter five recording by Enco.